the best feeling for us was a few months before the summit and a couple people that were going to attend the summit met up like in Florida because they met in the group. So then when people do get to our conference, you know, six months after they bought a ticket, they already have friends that they met in this Facebook group. Yeah, and th- and that's really cool because we're already living out one of our big missions and the community element. I don't even know what we'd do without that because it really created a cool atmosphere, especially once people started arriving for the event. Friends could be like, mm-hmm. oh man, there's people already there at the conference. So much hype. And I know like there's a few people that were in the group that they weren't planning on coming until Thursday, the day the event started. But when they saw the pre-conference posts being posted in the group, they drove out <laughs> earlier, like on Monday, so that they could be a part of it. Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 125. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs, and on today's episode, we're talking about hosting your own conference. A few weeks ago, Alyssa and I hosted our second annual RV Entrepreneur Summit in Fredericksburg, Texas. Earlier this week, I released an episode with Eric and Brittany sharing their talk about blogging from our summit. And today, Alyssa and I just wanted to share a little test drive on what you can think about if you want to plan your own conference and just overall tips and things we've learned for the past couple years of planning our own event. And I'm here because Heath doesn't really plan at all. (laughs) Alyssa is really the big event planner. And I know that not every single person wants to host their own conference, but when I say that you are really the event planner, like you do everything and I kind of just do a few little things and talk to people when they get to the event. It's like you're the CEO and I'm the COO, right? The chief Operations. operating. Yeah. Whatever. I'm the chief event operator, really. I'm a different CEO. If we had legit titles, then, you know, it would probably be something along the lines of that. <laughs> but uh, we just kind of want to, before we dive into some tips and things that we've learned for the past couple of years of planning our own event, I thought we could talk about just why we want to host a conference in the first place and how conferences and communities have been impactful for us. Because a few years ago, we've talked about how after we hit the road, we went to a conference called World Domination Summit, which was, I would say, I struggled to use the word life-changing, but it really <laughs> was. like We made almost all of our friends from WDS Mm-hmm. And it was one of all of our all of our current friends, like all of our closest friends, because of that event. So yeah, it was it was pretty life changing. It was a life changing <laughs> event, and it was one of the first times that we were around a community of people who we felt like understood us, and mm-hmm. like that, like why why would it be crazy to go travel and things like that? So and they didn't question our decisions, which was so huge. After I think we'd been on the month, maybe on on the road. I mean, for about a month. And so to finally meet someone that wasn't like, I'm sorry, you live in a what? Yeah, you live was, in RV. It was it was so refreshing. Yeah, the conference uh, World Domination Summit, it, even though it sounds like something off Pinky in the Brain, it's a conference <laughs> for creatives and entrepreneurs. And there's a big traveling into that community as well. Chris Gilbo, the founder, has been to every country in the world. So it's definitely a big location independent type of community. So they definitely got it. Mm-hmm. And then so two years ago, well, two falls ago, as Alyssa and I were kicking around this idea of hosting our own event, we just kind of wanted to do something similar, but just on a smaller scale. We wanted to bring people together and have an event of our own. And I would definitely say that it was it was mostly selfish reasons. Like we wanted that same feeling that we got at WDS, but with RV specific people. We just 
Keith, I don't know if you've noticed, he loves talking about business and he loves talking about RVs over anything else. And so we really wanted to create this community where we could nerd out about that stuff all weekend. And we didn't know how our first event was going to go. We said if we had 30 people come, it would be considered a success. We had 120 people come last year. This year we sold out again and had over 250 people come, which was really cool. And I will say that just even personally in our business, after hosting our first event last year, there has been there's been a lot of life-changing stuff that's happened for you and I. Like we've had a lot of big things come our way. We did some really cool client projects with Winnebago this past year. And so there's a lot of benefits of hosting a community. And so many of the people who came last year, Mm -hmm. they ended up meeting others, spending time with them on the road, starting businesses, selling businesses. So there's been some really cool things that have transpired from hosting a conference. So now that we've thoroughly geeked out on why it's cool to host a conference, (laughs) like let's talk about... Yeah, I feel like the opportunities that have come from putting ourselves out there and like doing an event like this is a whole different test drive. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, all right. So but yeah, this we're talking about how to plan a conference, how to plan and host your own conference. So the first thing that we want to talk about in planning your conference is to validate your conference. This is the first thing that we learned. Because if you don't know that people want to come, no one is going to buy a <laughs> ticket. And that is going to be so disheartening. So whenever we were talking about doing a conference, actually, we weren't talking about doing a conference. Someone posted about, I think Heath asked, you know, what what would be the next thing that you would want to see us do? And someone suggested start a conference. And so many people replied to it saying, yes, yes, I would go that we were like, oh, you know, that hadn't really crossed our mind. And so we started, you know, thinking about it more. And so putting yourself in in a position where you can get that validation and hear other people say, I would come to this event if you planned it. You will set yourself up for so much more success by doing that first. Yeah. And that was something that, like you said, it actually came from, I made a post on our Facebook group. I was like, how can we improve this community and make it better? And somebody threw the idea out there of hosting an RV Entrepreneur Summit. So it literally was not even an original idea, like something we stole. Well, and it was from our friend, Michelle, who actually is one of the planners for that World Domination Summit that we mentioned. So hearing it from someone that actually has a conference point of view, I think meant even more to Heath and I because, okay, if this person who actually knows what she's (laughs) doing thinks that we could do it, okay, maybe we can. And so even though it seems scary, in addition to hearing that from Michelle and having a lot of people like upvote that, it was the most Mm -hmm. upvoted thing in the group. The other thing that we did was we uh, actually sent out an email to our listing. If we did host an event, we took it a step further. If we did host Mm -hmm. one, would you come? And so that was another level of validation that we did as well. I think we specifically said in Texas. During this time period. Because as you plan a conference, where it's located and when it is, is going to be huge, especially whenever, like, we're our viewers. Sure, we can travel pretty much anywhere, but you got to, you have to have all those considerations of how easy is it for someone to get there. And there's a reason why we've always hosted in Texas instead of in California or in Florida. And there, were, and it's also one thing that's different. Like people may say they're interested in something, but it's another thing entirely when they actually have to like fork go over and purchase a ticket yeah, and make travel up. plans. Yeah. <laughs> so we found from launching courses with clients in the past that sometimes it's like 10% of people who say they're interested actually end up buying. So it's like if a hundred people say they're, they want to come, Maybe only 10 people can come. And it's obviously going to be different in every circumstance. But And I think actually just to go further on that, I think we had about 600 people say they were interested in the summit initially, and we sold 100, we had 120 people come. Yeah. So I feel like that's a little, probably a little bit higher than average. I don't know what the average is for conferences because that yeah, was totally. for 10% is for courses, but that is a good yeah. point. I hadn't thought of that. 
All right, number two thing for tips for planning your own conference, know your strengths while you're building your planning team. Yes. So our planning team is right here. It is Heath and I. We do pretty much everything ourselves. And so for Heath, his skill obviously is uh, talking to people, building community, and he's an amazing connector at getting people, you know, that are like-minded talking and, and meeting up like in person at our conference. For me, I have planned a com- conferences in the past and I was an event planner in college. And so I had all the actual experience to know, okay, here's logistically how you do it. And here's the type of vendors that you need. And I even had relationships with some of the vendors before we even planned our first conference because we did it near Austin where I used to work. And so making sure that you have a good balance, like okay, we knew how to plan the conference in me. We knew how to host the conference and Heath. Like those are pretty much all your basic skills covered. So making sure that whenever you assemble your team, because I don't recommend doing it alone, is that you have these complementary skills and these complementary things because you can always hire out for the whole planning Everything, process. Yeah. Especially when it's early on. So if you have funds to throw at it, like endless funds, like that's a whole nother story. You can build a whole team around it. Like that's not you have us. endless funds. You can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> so another thing that was helpful for us and like our, I guess you could call them our core team is we've had, uh, my best friend James is an amazing videographer. Mm-hmm. He's ran our live streaming, been our tech guy on site for both conferences. So mm-hmm. we know that if, if sound goes out, if something messes up, like we have somebody there who can fix those things because that's not in either of our skill sets. So I think yes. it's just kind of, like you said, knowing yourself, knowing what part of the process, like if it was up to me to plan logistics for a conference, like the conference would not have even started. Like it <laughs> yeah. really, it really, really wouldn't have to be totally honest. So, and then also it's helpful because whenever people start showing up, like you're still very much in this planning mindset running around. But I also know that part of the experience is just like interacting and, and making sure that we're taking time to be with people. Mm-hmm. So we do, I think, good offset with that. Well, I think if you just look at like our registration time during our conference a few weeks ago. I was sitting at the table and I was the first person that people met whenever they registered, you know, at the actual registration, registration. but you were actually walking through the line, meeting people, yeah. talking to them. And so just seeing those actual skills, you know, lived out. Totally. Number three tip for planning or hosting your own conference, know your conference values. This is so key. And I remember last year whenever Heath was like, I think these are our three conference values. I did not totally get what he was talking about, but having planned a whole second conference with these three values in mind, I see how important it is to set up very first thing. What is your conference about? So we have three values, community, knowledge, and fun. So whenever we are working through the schedule, whenever we are reaching out to speakers and planning events, those three things are front of mind 100% of the time. So whenever we're looking at what kind of speakers do we want? What do we want them to present on? We're looking at knowledge. So we're looking at the intake forms that people did whenever they bought tickets. And I'm saying, okay, we have like 40% of people are interested in blogging and 50% are interested in photography. So we need to have photographers speaking. We need to have a photography workshop. Looking at those things is, is super important. Community. We're looking at how can we empower this community to to meet each other in not overwhelming ways. So we did attendee-led meetups because those were going to be smaller and more intimate and fun, which is obviously like the best value ever. How can we make this whole event fun and how can we make it memorable? So this year we had 
attendees come in from 10,000 miles away, which, whoa, <laughs> shout out to all the Australians that came over. And we were, we were talking and thinking as we were planning this conference, like, how can we make this fun for these people that are traveling from so far away? What can we do to make this memorable? And so we have a tab on our master spreadsheet, which I'm pretty sure this spreadsheet the, um, is like 12 tabs in my Google Docs. And one of them is just experience. And we have notes day by day, broken out by day, how we can improve the experience and how can we do things that are memorable. And one of the things that we did this year was like ending on our champagne toast on Sunday morning. So having volunteers pour champagne, pass out champagne, which I know is like super stressful for them because they've got these big old trays with glasses and everything. But we wanted to create a moment that people would walk away and that they would remember. And that is, that's like really like the culmination of a conference because you can have amazing speakers, you can have amazing sessions, but I can tell you, you know, four years out from the first world domination summit that I attended, I could not tell you what a single one of those speakers said. I can't tell you any of the takeaways, anything like that, but I can tell you about the moments that I remember, like riding in a hot air balloon, because that was part of their conference. Or or the m- morning that you and I dressed up in peanut butter and jelly costumes and helped them break a world record for the most people eating breakfast in bed. Yes, that was the second year. Yeah, that wasn't but- the first year. But thinking like that, and we we love that conference because they think like so big. That's also multiple thousands of people that go to that conference right. compared to our 250-person conference. But having this mindset that, I'm going to create the best experience regardless of cost and time and how much planning it requires. And I mean, it did seem a little bit fluff at the beginning to, you know, try to sit down and come up with values and things like that. Mm -hmm. But then this year during the planning process, which I would say that we thoroughly enjoyed the planning process, like sometimes it was stressful, but you and I got, we would geek out about things and we'd look at the schedule and just like how that actually translated into our planning Mm -hmm. was we would look at the schedule and be like, okay, we've got a lot of good workshops. We've got a lot of speakers, got some attendee-led meetups. We have a lot of community time because we're going to do a pre-conference and people can come and hang out and spend time together. We need a few more things that are fun. Mm-hmm. like And so that's actually how we implemented those values into the event. We tried to have a blend. Like if you thought of 33, 33, 33% for all these three things, mm-hmm. we tried to have a mix of all of those when we were actually planning the event. Mm-hmm. So number four is run lean because you'll always spend more. I'll let you talk about this because you handle the budget for all this. <laughs> it's kind of like a known truth. Like if you've ever planned a wedding or any kind of event, you will spend so much more than you budgeted for. And so as you're, as you're planning, as you're budgeting, again, this is a whole tab on my spreadsheet. Look at every potential cost and map it out. So I, for example, I had like, booklets on my on my tab like that was a budget item I estimated that it was going to cost four hundred dollars for for printing all of that I think it ended up costing like five so sometimes you're gonna you're gonna be on sometimes you're gonna be off I I had an example that I used for this earlier now I can't think of what it was can you remember I know we spent six thousand dollars more than we thought we were gonna spend I know that we spent six thousand dollars more than what we initially budgeted for And so whenever you are planning, definitely keep that in mind. I feel like I'm a very, very frugal person. I think you are to the point at which it really annoys Heath. He's actually, you know, kind of giving me a mean look right now. (laughs) I'm just teasing. So having either someone that's there that can keep you accountable to your budget, because 
he does not keep me accountable would, to the budget. <laughs> I would blow the budget out of the water <laughs> if it was up to me. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty straightforward for most events. It's just mm-hmm. a plan to spend more than you think you're going to. Number five, mm-hmm. plan for your plans to not work out. One of the things that we did last year that we loved was after sitting inside all weekend, we all went for a big hike at Enchanted Rock State Park. Mm-hmm. And we want to do that again this year. But just the logistics around getting 250 people, it's about a 40 minute drive from the campground. It was a cool experience, though. Uh, and so we went to the state park and talked to them and we're like, hey, can we just pay for everyone to come? Can we just do it in a bus? And basically they kind of gave us the run around and said neither of those were real options. Well, at first in the office, she was like, oh, yeah, just talk to our group coordinator. It'll be fine. And then we talked to her and she said, no, we can't let you pay for that many people. And then it was, no, you can't bring it in a bus. And so yeah. all of our like our plan A didn't work, plan B didn't work. And so we ended up on. Plan C, which was carpool and everyone pay for their own way, which wasn't ideal, but we knew that was a a realistic potential going into the situation. So I just think Mm -hmm. it's all about setting expectations and creating contingencies. And we did that for almost everything. Well, Mm -hmm. if this doesn't work, what will we do? A big one was Wi-Fi, too, because the cell signal at the campground was really bad. We have a bunch of RV entrepreneurs coming to the campground. And so we basically went through a lot of different options. We called local phone companies to see about getting a signal set up. We talked about having borrowing people's Wi-Fi hotspots who are RVers and paying them for the week. So ultimately, like, I think it's just important to create contingencies and know that a lot of your plans will fall through. But mm-hmm. if you have multiple contingencies, like you're likely to fall on plan B, C or sometimes D. And I have another tab. Worst case scenarios. That is literally all these things listed out. What if it rains all weekend? What if the catering never shows up? Did you, write, if, did you if, really write all this down? Yeah. I'm, well, I'm not going to pull it up right now because we're but recording. Oh, no, I believe But I you. do have it all, all written down because, one, this will do wonders for your peace of mind. If you can think ahead of time and say, hey, this thing could go wrong, here are you know five possible solutions, then whenever those things do go wrong, you can say, okay, try this, and if that doesn't work, try this. And you can work through it because... I mean, it's just a kind of truth about event planning that it's not going to go the way that you think it's going to be because you've got 250 people in one one place. That's going to, you know, slow down the cell towers and people won't be able to to use their, their hotspots. But that's yeah. how it goes. You got to find solutions. And we did find a great solution for the Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi, yeah. Thanks, Bob. Shout out to Bob Orchard for setting up our uh, Wi-Fi router. Number six, nail the venue. The venue is huge. And I think the venue, it's more, it's about the venue. It's about the town. So ours is in Fredericksburg. And so from an RV conference, we have a lot of people that drive in RVs, but we have a lot of people who fly into and stay in cabins or tents or drive. So and I a, will, I just want to pop yeah. in and interrupt you. About 40% of the people that attend our conference are not in RVs yet. Yeah. And I feel like that's a big misconception is that everyone that attends is a full-timer. It's like 60-40. We actually have a bouncer. So if you don't show up in an RV, they just turn, <laughs> no, not true. No. So we hosted our conference in Fredericksburg. And so we had the two airports within an hour away, Austin and San Antonio. And then also Fredericksburg is a really cool town. So people can make a trip out of it. They can go do other things. And then the other thing that was huge for us is by going on the ground early, we could work closely with the Jellystone campground there that has facilities and they were just really great to work with. So I would say if you, my, in my experience, like if we rolled up to a venue and they seemed kind of stiff or they didn't want us to do certain things, like it'd probably be kind of hard to work with them just because there were so many times throughout our event in the planning process where we were like, Hey, we're going to bring in a tent twice as big. And they're like, cool. And they'll work <laughs> with us. And just how huge that was to have a venue that, you know, supports the event and is behind it. And I know I walked up to the office every single day while we were staying, we stayed there for two months 
every single night I ended up walking up to the office, mostly because we had a lot of stuff for the conference delivered, but just asking questions and and keeping in touch with the staff because your on-site staff are the most important people the week of a conference, especially whenever people are all staying on-site because you do not want to be the person that people are coming to, like, if their water isn't working or if their sewage gets backed up. You want to make sure that those people that actually run the campground, that run the venue, are on it. Great customer service. And so hearing a lot of people at the summit be like, oh, you know, Anne in the front office is so sweet. We're like, yes, like that's what we're looking for when we're looking for a venue. So staff is huge. And also, like Heath said, location. We chose Fredericksburg because it's a small town. People in RVs, they don't want to go to big cities. Not always. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. But you don't want to drive your RV in a big city and you don't want to try to fit, you know, a yeah. hundred RVs in a big city. And so finding some place that was smaller, convenient, not too small. Yeah. It's it's gosh, it's an art. We're still looking <laughs> yeah. we're looking for a venue for, for next our year. for our next summit. Yeah. Too. Number seven, make sure you have enough fun. So we um this one's kind of just a short point and kind of obvious. But uh, we use Eventbrite for selling tickets for our event, and you actually don't get paid until after the event. So this is something that is kind of a misconception. I I was even talking to somebody the other day who's playing an event, and they're like, oh, you actually don't get paid immediately. No, you don't. Uh, It's kind of a good and a bad thing because we issue a lot of refunds as long as it's 30 days out. So if people ask, we'll just give them a refund as long as it's more than 30 days. And they say it's like 15 to 20% of people who like buy a ticket up front will end up getting a refund. And, And we haven't ran the numbers, but I would say that that's probably not far from the truth. Almost all of the event logistics and, and costs actually come out of pocket, which is a big reason why we bring on sponsors to kind of help cover some of those upfront costs. So I think one thing to just make sure to be keep in mind if you're playing an event is just to be considerate of those costs and know that if you're using a platform like Eventbrite, that you won't get paid until a week or two after the event. Yeah, it's three to five business days before they pay you and then three to five business days of actually, you know, your bank processing the charges. Yeah. Number eight, create an opportunity for community for people to meet before the event. So for us, we start a Facebook community. As soon as you buy a ticket, you automatically get an email from Eventbrite that says, well, first it says, here's how you book your RV site. And then it says, join our private Facebook community. This is only for people that have bought tickets. And this is where people can get to know each other and meet beforehand. So I think the best... The best feeling for us was a few months before the summit and a couple people that were going to attend the summit met up like in Florida because they met in the group. So then when people do get to our conference, you know, six months after they bought a ticket, they already have friends that they met in this Facebook group. Yeah. And that, and that's really cool because we're already living out one of our big missions in the community element. So that's a value for our conference. Mm-hmm. We're already facilitating community online. And I don't even know what we do without that because it really created a cool atmosphere, especially once people started arriving for the event. Friends could be like, mm-hmm. oh, man, there's people already there at the conference. So much hype. And I know like there's a few people that were in the group that they weren't planning on coming until Thursday, the day the event started. But when they saw the pre-conference posts being posted in the group, they drove out <laughs> earlier, like on Monday, so that they could be a part of it. So being able to create all of that hype and that excitement, as long as you still deliver throughout the weekend, that's amazing. I mean, if you don't deliver throughout the weekend, then that's it's like amazing. all this yeah. hype, and then they show up yeah. and they're let down. But if you can continue to deliver, yeah. then you can really utilize that online community 
to make the experience so much more enhanced. And just not not just before the event, but we found that after our conference, like mm-hmm. our summit group from 2017 was active all the way to 2018. Mm-hmm. So essentially all the way up to our most recent conference, that was a still very active group because people come and they learn, but it's a continued conversation for what happens after the event. So they share key learnings, mm-hmm. meetups, like and things that they want to share with these people that they had a really cool experience with. And it doesn't have to be in a Facebook group. When we go to World Domination Summit, they have their own app and they have their own login on a web page. But I have found that I wasn't as active on there because I'm not on, like I'm not going to just pull up the the random app. I you know, Facebook groups mm-hmm. have worked really well for us. Right. Number 9, don't try to overdo sponsors. Yes. So like Keith said earlier, We have to pay for everything out of pocket because ticket fees aren't paid to us until after the event has completely ended. So sponsorships are really key because otherwise we're going to go broke trying (laughs) to plan this conference and we're going to run out of money. So we were very intentional about what sponsors that we accepted and reached out to. We had a handful of sponsorships that we said no to because they weren't in line with our mission. And so you'll see like we had... Vanabond Coffee, like they sponsored coffee throughout the weekend. They're van lifers who have a coffee roast. They roast coffee out of their van. Yeah. Like how much more on mission can you be for (laughs) RV entrepreneurship? Yeah. They're literally running it. And one thing that I had heard from a, like people talking about, I think it was, I'm trying to think of who told me about this, but they were just saying like, you don't want to pay 200 bucks or whatever you pay for a ticket for a conference and then show up and get to get sold to again. Like you already bought something to come there. So we wanted to try to be very intentional on having sponsors come and be part of the experience. And never sell you anything. Yeah. At all. Yeah. And not be selling. And so for instance, like what that has looked like from like an integration standpoint, and this is different, but this is just our outlook. And I feel like it was a much better experience personally than when I've been to like an RV show and you walk past a venue, it's almost like walking past somebody at a mall. They're like jumping out to try to sell you like scented candles (laughs) or something like that. So like we had uh, Winnebago be a sponsor for both years. Mm -hmm. And so the way that we inserted them into the event was this year we had like a Winnebago lab. And so basically we brought, we invited down a couple of their product planners. This is just an idea we threw out there to them because they were like, well, we, we, it'd be cool to bring an RV on site. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want like a local dealership to like come out and be selling people. Like that's not really what we want to do. So our idea was like, what if we leverage this community of people who are passionate about living and working on the road and we use their knowledge and expertise in working in and from an RV to like improve the desk situation in the working scenario specifically. So they had two product planners from their class A gas line and people signed up for eight spots throughout the weekend to like go in every hour and like share how, you know, they would sit in their chair, how they work, what their travel style was, how much time they spent inside and basically, you know, create value for the attendees because they get to have a voice in how a big manufacturer and, you know, vehicle company in this segment actually creates something and, and makes a real change from it. And then Winnebago gets a really unique insight into this demographic of customers that they typically don't get to have this type of conversation with. Yeah. And I know that even whenever we were talking to Winnebago about this, I was thinking, this is, this is way too much. Like bringing their product on site. You were worried about it. Basically people are basically, it's like, Hey, you paid to come here and tour Winnebago RV. Now buy it. Well, that's what we didn't want. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But in my mind, you know, that's kind of what I was thinking, like worst case scenario. Yeah. Worst case scenario. That's how it would come off as. But a lot of people really, really enjoyed it because it was a chance to 
actually say all those things that we're always thinking whenever we're RV shopping, but say it to the people who can make a real change. Yeah, that are actually making real change. And so I think it was it was really cool and it was awesome to hear people give feedback that that was a positive thing because that was something that I personally really, really stressed about. So use your sponsors, integrate them into the experience to enhance the experience for the attendee, just like how, you know, Camping Worlds was was a sponsor. They taught a workshop. On Facebook ads. On Facebook ads. (laughs) Because you know, if you're on Facebook, they pour a ton of money into that. So that was a great actual value proposition that they were able to do. And just like outdoorsy, they were able to teach on renting out your RV and giving you side hustle, giving you great information on that instead of it feeling like, Hey, you have to sign up. You, you got to do this, buy our product, whatever. Yeah. And I went to Mike and Mike has become a friend of ours from camping world. He helps run their digital team. And, uh, I went to his session and when he started talking, he didn't say a single word about like, camping world there was no plug even he just jumped right into here's what we've been learning and testing on facebook ads and it was just a really cool breath of fresh air because mm-hmm. you know it, it's just it is always a concern and we, we like you said we did say no to several people who reach out about being a sponsor or setting up and we could have just said you know we're going to try to bring as much revenue as possible from as many sponsors as possible but we just felt like the the value of our comp, one of them was providing a great experience. And mm-hmm. so it's easy to dilute that because the more people you have kind of barking and you're asking for things inherently, you're going to have to sacrifice. Right. All right. Last thing is to focus on the end experience for the attendee. I feel like you, you shouldn't have to say that, but I know whenever you get like in the weeds, planning a conference, you start thinking like, okay, how can this session fit in here and this session fit in here and what room is this going to be in? And you get caught up in all the logistics and all the details. So something that Heath and I did probably like once a week for like those last six weeks leading up to the summit was we would talk through hour by hour what the experience was going to be for the attendee. And we would start, okay, it's Thursday. It's one o'clock. They're showing up for registration. It's going to be in this room. These are the people that are going to be running it. How can we make this a better experience from things like where do we set up the tables to who who do we want to be there and, and things like that. And so when you're planning your schedule, looking at how is this going to flow if I'm the actual person walking through and living it. So we multiple, multiple times would sit down and say, We want this speaker to go here and this speaker to go here. If you notice, like our first three morning speakers, they were all very uplifting, very inspirational. We kicked off the whole conference with with Abby talking about setting a world record kayaking because it's like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. Super inspirational. Yes, super inspiring to to hear her talk. And then our evening talks were were much longer. They were an hour, an hour, 15 minutes going really in depth into sharing their stories, which was less junk, more journey and, and the, the whole comes. Yeah. And-, and we would also try to like going on top of that, like we'd have somebody like Abby come up and share a really great story. And so it'd be more high level, more like inspirational. And then we'd have somebody come up right afterwards that like gets really, really deep into like a mm-hmm. certain category. Like Eric and Brittany talked about blogging on the podcast this week. Mm-hmm. Well, that was their talk from the summit. So we, we, and then we'd have somebody come after them. That's more of a story. So we tried to kind of really be thoughtful and pay attention to those kind of details because we found out last year that we actually had our workshops at 2 p.m. on both days and people came in kind of dragging like after lunch to sit in there for two hours and like learn about WordPress. We were like, okay, this is not a good time of day to do this. Well, we actually still did workshops in the afternoon this year, 
but we changed up the way that we order things because if you think about it, like when you're at a conference, like your brain is getting like filled, 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 filled. You need to take a space to breathe. So after anything that was a technical or in-depth, we had intentional time built in like either a 15 minute break or an hour off for lunch, hour and a half off for lunch, just to give your brain a break. And that is why we did end the conference with hiking to the top of Enchanted Rock because you gotta, you need to move and you need to let all those things that you just filled your brain with kind of sink in. And so as you're planning your schedule, think about how you can give your your attendee time to to breathe, to break. And and one thing that we semi-delivered on for the weekend was having this grove of hammocks. We, you know, it, if you don't know, it rained the entire week leading up to our summit. Yeah. It was a mud pit. People legitimately got stuck in the mud. We had to plan lots of contingencies for Lot, all the rain. Yes. Yeah. Contingency, contingency plans were totally key for that. But we were going to have this grove of hammocks out in the trees. Well, the trees were basically a giant mud puddle. So we ended up doing them up in front of the building where, um, on all the columns, like the columns that held the, the patio up. And we wanted that to be a good escape for people if you just want to not talk to people, not be around people, or have some peace and quiet, take a nap, anything like that. So making sure that as you plan that you create spaces like that or times like that is probably the most invaluable thing that you can do. Yeah. And it's a hard balance because people want to go and look at a conference schedule and see like, oh man, there are so many sessions on here that look exciting and I Mm want to go to. And so there's a natural instinct to say like, let's just load it up as much as we possibly can, put everything on there. It's going to be the most valuable. But yeah, like you said, you just have to be thoughtful. And what we would do is we tried to not have too many time periods that overlapped with each other. So like we'd have one session on like, here's a meetups for solo RVers and here's one for a couple of, we didn't really have one for a couple of RVers, but we tried to put things like, if you want to go to a solo RVer meetup, you probably don't want to go to like a couple RVer meetup. And we didn't have a couple RVer meetup, but I think it was teachers who travel at solo. the same time as solo. Anyway, we try to put things that it's like, and we weren't perfect. You're never perfect. But another thing we did was like, we, we had to schedule every something going on every night, but then we were like, Hey, let's just block no, out. No, it was solo and Jeepers were at the same okay, time. Okay, Solo and Jeepers. So it was something outside and then all the solo people were inside. Yeah. And something we did on Friday was like, we were going to have something every night, but then on Friday we we're like, you know what? Let's just have a free evening. People can go hang out and people appreciate free time in the schedule. Yes. And I think from a host perspective, it's just really important to take that time to get into the attendee mindset because you do, like you're saying, like you get caught up in making the schedule look like I'm just going to look at the schedule online and be like, oh my gosh, this weekend's going to be so amazing. I'm blown away. But if you do not build in time for people to breathe, for people to meet up with other people, and like we said, like have fun, build community, those are two of our values, then you're not going to have people walking away and having this amazing experience. And I feel like just hearing the feedback from attendees that we really delivered this year. So I'm definitely thinking as as we're planning for year three of the summit, how can we use these things that we just talked about in this episode and, and make year three even better? Yeah. So overall, hosting a conference has been amazing for us, and hopefully it's helped build a lot of really great relationships and provide resources to the RV community. And we just want to share what some of our kind of, I guess, mentalities and things that we've learned from the past couple of years of a conference. And just fun fact, like we were going to sit down and do a, a conference recap 
Uh, And that's what this episode was going to be. We were going to share all the things that we learned from the speakers and everything and and the workshops and everything else. And and we did that last year. But then we realized, like, to be totally honest, this is a more authentic episode for us to do because so much of your head as a conference host is is deep in the weeds. You're logistics. It's logistics. You're having fun, but in a totally different kind of way. And conferences are are incredibly meaningful. And um, it's also one thing I will say that. I, I thought I did not think that we had a and I don't know how to say this any other way. I didn't think that we had a big enough audience or a big enough community to bring together and host our own conference. And it was mm-hmm. also one of those things like Alyssa and I don't have any like paid products other than her book. So it was one of those things in my book. And so it was one of those things that it's like we, we don't really sell anything. A lot of people who have conferences maybe have like higher price products and things mm-hmm. like that. And so it's not a big deal to like come out with a conference. And so like I think there's if I had to learn any say I learned anything else from this it's like it's okay to skip those things and bring together a community of people if there's a need so I, I wouldn't be afraid and think like maybe you're not too far along enough because there's so much value in bringing people together preach <laughs> all right thank you guys for listening to this episode uh, if you want to sign up and attend our next RV entrepreneur summit go to the rventrepreneur.com you can learn more and put your name on an email waitlist there. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you all next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.